Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Michelle Yu about various people management implications when scaling an organization. Michelle Yu, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have the chance to chat today with you. And you have such an interesting background, and we have a lot of overlapping areas of interest. Um, We're going to be talking today about scaling organizations and HR's role in scaling, um, how to do that successfully in in a sustainable way, you know, playing the long game. As we get started today, I want to just read uh, Michelle's bio for all the listeners. Michelle is a former HR executive turned coach, trainer, and human capital consultant. After spending a decade working in technology in various HR capacities, Michelle is that blend of people and business. She knows what makes people work well in businesses and how businesses can better serve their people. She coaches ambitious high achievers to move past uh, overwhelm, burnout, and stagnation so that they can move forward, excel, and thrive in career and business. Through her own professional journey, Michelle understands the importance of mental health and holistic wellness and why it plays an uh, integral part in maximizing performance and accessing one's fullest potential. Prior to opening up her own practice, she worked at various various sized organizations from startups to Fortune 500 companies, including uh, companies like, like Living Social, Google, and SoftBank. In her career working in fast-paced, intense, and global environments, she launched offices and supported international HR operations. Uh, Michelle holds a bachelor's in international studies from UC Irvine and an MBA from Duke University. Um, Michelle, such a pleasure uh, to have you with me today. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time. And uh, as we get started, uh, is there anything else you would like to provide by way of uh, personal background. Um, I'm originally from Los Angeles. I'm a second generation Chinese American and um, I think a lot of my story is shaped. A lot of where my professional story has landed me and where I'm where I am now has been shaped by my roots. So I'm excited to you know talk more about that as well. Excellent. Uh, really excited to have that discussion. And you know Given your background in a lot of different types of organizations, different Mm -hmm. sizes of organizations, I think that'll feed in well um, as we discuss scaling and the implications of that. I mean, there's so many implications, but we're going to be focusing on the implications of on HR and people management and and leadership and what organizations need to be thinking about uh, for sustainable growth. so let's start there, you know, scaling any organization, um, 
will have lots of implications for leaders and managers, um, both middle management, you know, executive middle management, all the way down to the frontline managers and supervisors, and then their people. Uh, it stresses, stretches capacity. Um, people have to rethink their roles and their responsibilities. What do you think uh, HR's role should be during that process and how can they best connect with the organizational leaders at various levels to ensure smooth scaling occurs mm -hmm. within the organization? Yeah, as part of, you know, from my experience in being HR, one of the biggest things that I've learned from being in those types of organizations that are just growing tremendously is that it's a piece that we don't talk about very much, which is that emotional aspect. Um, and HR's role can really be to help coach these managers of like training them on how do they um, bring in new people into their team without it feeling disruptive to the existing flow because um, there's this pressure for a lot of employees when they're in that situation and there's new people joining all the time and then there's people that have been there for a long time that feel you know, kind of pushed aside and shortchanged. So I think a big conversation that HR can play is really by facilitating some of these conversations or just normalizing that, normalizing that feeling for the employees and having managers be more um, upfront and in spotting like, hey, look, you know, there's going to be a new person coming in or you're going to be layered with someone else. And it doesn't mean it's a reflection on your, on your performance. You have done a great job leading us to where we are now. But for our next phase, we needed to get this new person in. And I think the lack of those types of conversations really creates a lot of that friction for employees. And they always think like, oh my gosh, it's something that I did wrong, but it's really more this organizational change. So I think HR's role can really be to help facilitate, normalize some of those conversations and really um, ensure that managers are being upfront and transparent around what's happening. Yeah, and really helping leaders to understand the importance of that. Um, so many organizations that are going through the scaling and growth process, they're also they're maturing as an organization. And a lot of times they're trying to figure out the HR function um, as they're going. I've seen that many, many, many times. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you if you have a small startup that all of a sudden takes off and they go from 10 employees to 100 to 1,000 to 5,000 employees over the course of a relatively short period of time. I mean, that is a tremendous strain on the people that's going to shift the culture, that's going to shift the dynamic completely. And not always, but often, perhaps most of the time, um, those at the small startup phase, a lot of these organizations don't actually really have an HR person. They don't have an HR function um, because that's not the first key essential uh, role that they had, you know, as they were trying to bring their product or service to market. And so, so recognizing, you know, at what point do we even bring on an HR person who can help us with thinking through all of these issues, thinking through um, the implications of what we're doing, let alone, you know, in terms of motivation, engagement, culture, all that, let alone legal compliance and just making sure you're not stepping in major landmines along the way. Um, that's something we have to be very thoughtful about. So we need to scale HR while we're scaling the rest of the business. And then as HR is starting to mature and develop, then they need to play a critical role in helping the people managers up and down the hierarchy better understand what their role is in people management and how they can have those conversations effectively, consistently over time. Um, we can't just assume that our employees will understand 
our intentions or understand the why behind, um, you know, the, the adjustments that are, that are happening, whether it's layering employees because of growth or it's making structural shifts to the organization or, you know, whatever the case may be, um, because during that scaling phase, it's, it's a uh, very, very disruptive and it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a difficult period. So everyone needs to be very communicative, probably over communicate whenever possible and just make sure that everyone understands where they stand with, with you as their leader and with the company. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. I, I think that's a good question that you raised is really when for a startup, when is the right time to get their first HR person in? And, um, you know, here in Silicon Valley, there's a lot of these startups that um, don't have an HR person until they reach a certain phase. And I agree, like at some point, um, you know, when you're early testing your product or still um, like the team is still relatively small and the people issues are more manageable, like that makes sense. But I would say that sweet spot is between 30 to 50 people where like having someone in early on and helping to think through, hey, there's this gap here of the role that we need. Um, that's probably a good sweet spot, I would say. I, I also have heard of organizations that wait until like 100, 150 people. And by that time, you know, it's, it's hard because the culture has been established already. And for someone to go in and then try to rechange what that looks like, um, it's, it's an even harder change management process. So getting it early on, getting those structures, getting those frameworks, the trainings in at an early stage really helps set up the company for future success as they grow and scale because yes um, a scaling organization is growing in so many aspects not just functionally but everyone is leveling up at a, a fast pace and and for, for them to for employees to also not have a channel of knowing where where to go for some of these questions it can just get very messy so I'm always a fan that startups can or should be finding an HR person earlier sooner than later um, and having really that HR person be a strategic partner to building the business instead of just like an operational arm, but you know, it has to be a bit of both strategy in terms of thinking what the org should look like and also being able to operationalize and scale from a, you know, from a day-to-day -day perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And you know, my, we're, we're both um, HR people management consultants. So, I mean, my bias is, you want an HR person in there, a strategic HR person in there from day one um, yes. to help frame the structure and design the work and help to, to drive the, the healthy culture and all of that. But I recognize that's not actually going to happen usually. Um, but, you know, if you can have people, even if, you know, their, their first, you know, expertise is in engineering or coding or, you know, manufacturing or, you know, whatever, um, if you can have at least someone in that startup team who has at least some sort of understanding and intentionality towards the organizational side, the people side, then that can probably tide you through those initial stages. Um, and then you can grow with it. And you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, once you're hitting 30 to 50 employees, I mean, certainly strategically, it's necessary to have someone driving those strategic people discussions at that point. Um, but legally, you know, in terms of all the compliance issues, mm -hmm. all of the laws start to kick in at, at that size. <laughs> and so you have, to, you just have to have somebody because uh, you don't know what you don't know. And I've seen so many times where organizations have grown far past the 50 employee stage 
and they they have so many violations um, and they don't even know about it. And it's not because they're intending to do anything wrong. They just don't know. They have no clue. And and so that's that's one of the reasons why you need someone with the expertise, just like you need someone with operational expertise, you need someone with the financial expertise, you need someone with the people management expertise mm-hmm. um, to help avoid the landmines as well as be strategic in, in your organizational leadership as, as you grow and scale. And I've seen the same thing you described. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure where you're located actually. Are you- um, In the Bay Area, California. You're in the Bay Area, yeah. So I'm in Utah and here in Utah, it's interesting because um, I'm not sure if it's just kind of the surrounding culture um, that feeds into it, but there are, there are a lot of companies that have hundreds of employees without a dedicated HR person. Um, and there was one company I was working with a couple years ago. They had almost a thousand employees before they brought in their first person. Uh, you know, obviously they had different people at supervisor and managerial levels doing, you know, pieces of HR stuff but they didn't have any dedicated HR person, certainly no department. And they had about a thousand employees. And when they brought in the first person, that person just had to spend like the first two years just cleaning up all the messes and, you know, just thanking God that they didn't get sued and that they, that they hadn't been audited, you know, for all the violations that they had that they didn't even know that they were dealing with. So, you know, from that standpoint, we definitely need to make sure that we're scaling HR along with every other aspect of the company, and we can't just put it off. I, I know sometimes people think HR is a, a cost center um, and that it just sucks money out of the organization. Um, um, you and me both know that's a, an interesting way to frame it because if you want successful organizations, you need to have engaged, motivated, productive, and innovative employees, and that doesn't happen or like on its own that happens as you purposely drive a healthy culture and as you hire the right people and get them into the right positions and you lead them effectively that's and so as you invest in people then that investment pays a lot of dividends and you can have really um, strong return on investment Uh, and so hr isn't just a cost center it's you know, it's think about the ROI, think about the investment in your people and what that will mean for the Mm -hmm. organization. And what the key part that you said there was around the like hiring and attracting the right people as well, because you know, in the early stages, it's so important to make sure you have the right people. If they, if those individuals that are placed in positions are not able to scale within their role, they will also be a bottleneck in the organization. So without having a strategic, you know, HR partner to help in seeing, can this person really level up? Are they capable of taking that company to the next phase? And oftentimes, you know, that's what's going to stint the growth is if there's this this middle manager or a manager that's just not able to scale and that kind of holds the rest of the organization a little bit lower or like a little bit slower. Um, And HR's role is to really in those cases be like, what do we do to address this performer? How do we either layer someone on top or, you know, transition them out? And I I completely agree with you. Having a thousand people at that point is very challenging because there's going to be a certain way of doing things and to, 
to go in and have to change manage like all of that after going in it's it's very challenging because there's a set of being able to do certain things a certain way um and I, I believe HR is like HR should be strategic with the business of identifying those values, being able to execute and see how it flows through that entire employee life cycle. And if no one is consciously taking that over of, you know, when and how and what's like, what are we looking for? If no one's consciously doing that in a consistent manner, then you'll have teams that are kind of doing different things and there's no consistency between the style. So agree. Like I think both of us as, as HR consultants and interested in the space, all we know the value that HR can bring to like organizations that are scaling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's shift a little bit and talk about what individuals within organizations can and should be doing mm -hmm. um, during, during the scaling phase. I mean, it's, it's, it's a stressful time, yeah. heightened anxieties, um, what can individuals do and how can leaders help individuals to do this in terms of taking care of themselves um, to sustain uh, long-term success, you know, to stave off burnout um, and, and other, other forms of withdrawal? Absolutely. That is a great question. I think the first thing that employees really need to do is take that step back and create their own self-awareness because a lot of times when you're in that mode and everything's just going and going at a million miles an hour we kind of forget like what does our own career trajectory look like in this organization what is that what is it going to entail because the next six months versus the next year versus the next two years that role is going to look very different for an individual um, in a high growth company so i think individuals have to do that inner work of creating their own self-awareness and seeing what do they want to do? Is this right for me? Do I still fit with, with what I like? Do I still fit with the, 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 com the company's values? Is this where I want to take my career? Because if they don't pause to really ask themselves, then they're going to just go on this road of like, I have to go, I have to kind of follow up that ladder and that chain or get moved into swim lanes as the company starts to organize a little bit. So I think it's really on the individual's perspective to take a step back and ask themselves, what do I need to do or what do, what do I want to do um, and does this match up and align with my career? Because there are gonna be people who work in startups and, and as the company is maturing, it becomes a little bit more of a mature organization and maybe that's not their style. And if they don't stop to ask themselves, then there's gonna be a misalignment of what really suits their background or what really suits their skills. So, that I think is the baseline foundation of what an individual can do on their end. And then once they have their own understanding of what it is they actually want to be able to facilitate those conversations with their managers, because a lot of times, you know, I think, I think a lot of times employees are always waiting for the managers to give them solutions and tell them what to do. But hey, everyone, like your career is your career and it's your responsibility to really map out and see what it is that feels aligned with what you want to do. So. So that's kind of the biggest mistake that I've seen is like employees waiting for the manager to give them a direction versus um, them taking control of what it is they want and then having conversations about what it is they actually really want. Yeah, absolutely. Being proactive, taking responsibility for our own career growth uh, and engagement and fulfillment, I think is, is important. Now, I'm a big believer that leaders should be you know, effective and proactive in having those conversations. So a good leader will do those things. But again, we can't control what other people do. 
you know, I have control over me. I have control over my situation. Um, and within the context of my situation, I can make decisions. And so I'm going to focus on, on that and try to make the most out of whatever situation I'm in. Being proactive will allow you to get the most out of the, out of the opportunities given to you and having the conversations with your boss. It, you know, if they're not as attuned to these issues, they're not as inclined to check in with you or to ask you the questions, go be proactive, have the conversation with them. Uh, and ultimately you may decide that you, that this growth stage isn't for you and you want to go back into another startup or, or whatever, you know, it, it, every person's different and people shift over their, their, um, work life, you know, with different career stages, you want different things, different times of your life. You might have different desires for family or for, for hobbies or for whatever. So there's so many different reasons why people, you know, may not be, satisfied and engaged in their work anymore be proactive be be on top of that and take responsibility for yourself now that's not again not to say that leaders shouldn't be doing it because they sh absolutely should if you want uh, an organization to be um, effective healthy and have you know sustainable growth then you better not be hemorrhaging good people <laughs> during the during the growth stage and so you you want leaders who definitely are aware of the stress, the types of stresses people might be experiencing. We're proactive about having those conversations uh, and finding the best ways to, to help leverage the, the unique capacities and capabilities of their people. Right. And the leaders should really be thinking about as, as the org grows and their team grows, like what those swim lanes would look like for their team. And in, in terms of being able to retain those top performers, it's like, this is what your career path could potentially look like and being really transparent and sharing that with the team. Of course, it goes both ways, right? There has to be um, the org side, there has to be the right opportunity that opens up from an organizational side and it also has to be aligned with what the individual wants to do. But having those conversations up front, um, I agree, there's both sides of the things and you're absolutely right that we are only in control of what we, what we can, we can't control other people. Um, we control our own career paths and, and that's why I think a big piece of it is that self-awareness. It's, it's just so easy to get caught up in the, the hustle, the busyness, like the, I have to keep up, I have to keep going, but being able to just take that step back and say, hey, like, is this going to be the right place for me a year down the line, two years down the line? Is it going to continue to grow? Where, where do I see my career grow in, in the, the high growth phase? Um, and those are all important questions for someone to, you know, it's, it's hard being in the, the space. I've been there as well. And it's kind of hard being in the moment um, because you're just so accustomed to keeping up. But um, I think having that knowledge of like, well, where do I want to be and how can this role really like propel me forward? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for both the leader and for the individual, it is important to to remember self-care during the time of scale up. Uh, mm -hmm. because the stresses are high. So, so be willing, you, you know, you have a lot of pressure on you. You have a lot of things pulling you in different directions, but remember that you will be most productive when you are rested. You will be most productive when you are centered. You, so taking the time to quiet your mind, to reflect, to meditate, to do whatever you do to, to kind of recenter yourself and um, to, to, to make sure that you, you can be on your A game. Uh, because it's it's better for the organization, <clears throat> it's better for you as an individual, 
Um, and sometimes we have to force ourselves to take that time, you know, cause we're just going, 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 going. And even, you know, just a half hour of, of just more quiet time focused on self care um, and taking care of your needs can make all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it goes back, like they call it self-care because it's something that no one's going to tell you to do. That's something that you have to do for yourself. So while good managers can really strike that balance, you know, I, I see sometimes managers say they won't email after a certain time. And I think that's great, but not all managers follow that and they'll be emailing throughout the entire night. Um, and it's up to the individual also to be able to, you know, have a conversation or have their own boundaries and have conversations with their managers on setting expectations around that if they're confused because in those high stress environments it's so easy to just want to keep going and wanting to prove yourself and like stay like stay in tune with the hustle that like maybe they maybe that's not what the manager expects that they just haven't communicated that self care and and like taking time to rest over the weekends is important so again it goes both ways. I think it's all about creating that self-awareness too. And then having those conversations with managers, if there is any sort of um, like, you know, if it's not clear, it's always good to have those conversations with managers, but otherwise employees can just have this swirl in their mind of like, I have to keep up. I have to work those 60 to 80 hours, week, 80 hours a week. Um, but, you know, having a transparent conversation with the manager around like, what are the expectations? Is that, can I enjoy my weekend off? Or do you expect me to check emails after a certain hour? Or when do I know when it's urgent versus when it's not urgent? Having those conversations up front will really help to create those boundaries. Yeah, and the boundaries are important. And it's important to for leaders to recognize that they set the tone and they set the example. So it's, it's good to have the conversations. But if you say one thing while you're talking with your people and then you do something different, mm -hmm then they're going to default to the behavior, right? And they're, and they're going to do what they see you do. Um, and so if you want people to, to use their weekends to reinvigorate themselves, um, you want people to enjoy the evenings with their families, you want people to take vacation days <laughs> occasionally, you know, then that means as a leader, you need to do those things. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, people will see what you do and then they'll try to mimic what you do because they see that as the path to getting ahead, to, to being successful. Um, or, you know, the way to avoid, you know, something negative happening to them in the workplace. So, so uh, I think it's really important. We've said it multiple times today, but self-care, focusing on what you can control, taking proactive control over your own situation um, as much as possible. And then leaders, of course, in the scale-up phase, it's, it's tough. So I hope every organizational leader will consider you know, what's the role of HR? What's the role of people management? What's the role of investing in our people during this time? Um, and be thoughtful about that uh, because there's going to be long-term implications for the decisions that you make today about how you're going through the scaling process. And if you're not intentional and deliberate and strategic about how you're forming your culture and the various mechanisms, the policies, practices, procedures that are, are going in place as the organization matures, um, there will be a culture that emerges mm -hmm. organically. It will emerge and chances are it won't be a good one. It, it, it usually, if left to its own devices, culture will, will just bubble up and, and probably not be super healthy. So uh, we want to be much more proactive about that as we go through the scale up phase. Mm -hmm. I well, think the only, oh, one more thing. I think the yeah. only 
kind of add on that is they call it scaling and growing for a reason because everyone in the org at that point is scaling. So employees are scaling, managers are scaling, teams are scaling, systems, processes, like everything is scaling. And I think that was one thing that I, I realized while being in that phase is that everyone's growing, like it's okay to look and ask for help as well and figuring out where are the resources that can help through that phase. A lot of times, I think a lot of in that in that phase for scrappy startups are trying to figure things out on their own and even for managers and individuals if they're feeling like they're hitting a wall or they feel like they're not able to kind of level up to that next phase in their career or within work it's like it's a good time to assess and think like where can i get extra help for me to help scale you know we get consultants and those sorts of things to help us scale our organization but for individuals and their own personal talent it's okay to ask for help in that regard as well absolutely absolutely amen well, Michelle, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. Uh, we're about out of time, but before we, um, we stop with our conversation today, I want to give you a chance to share with the listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about what you're doing, and perhaps reach out to work collaboratively with you if, if they need your help. Yeah, sure. So you can visit my website, michelleku.com. So that's Michelle with two L's. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram. My Instagram handle is mkyu underscore coaching. Um, so I'm really keen on helping individuals, you know, solve through some of these hairy work problems that they might be going through and help them scale within their career or just work through a transition. And that's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, so if anyone's feeling themselves in a career rut or just not sure of how to transition. Um, I'm your gal. Um, and feel free to email or reach out. And I'm excited to speak with anyone. Awesome. Thank you. I encourage listeners to reach out to Michelle, get connected on LinkedIn, um, and, and find out more of what she can do for you. Uh, it, Michelle, it's been a real pleasure talking with you today. And I hope everyone stays healthy and safe, that everyone can find continual meaning and purpose at work, and that everyone has a great week. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.